Okay, Ryan, I have to tell you a story at some point when we're not recording. Okay. We're not, we're, we're no devices are recording. Oh, right. that sounds good. <laughs> I guess I can't be in the room then. I was going to say, me. she left you out, so maybe <laughs> it's about right. Well, she knows, she knows if I'm here, there's, there's something's being recorded. So she's, she's learning. <laughs> That's right. Anything you say See, can and Liz, might be used against I'm telling you, Liz, Oh, there is no might. Liz, <laughs> Liz, is, yes, Rob. Liz is the brains of this cooperation because both yes. all of the rest of us, we're too dumb. We just, we fall right into each other's traps. We don't. We don't, we later. forget <laughs> we all kinds of stuff, but no, Liz, you gotta, you gotta be on your toes around here. Yeah. Recording in progress. Hey, and welcome to another episode of... A.T. Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, Mr. Steve Barkley. Ooh, second billing again. That's yeah. like twice in the entire history of this podcast. I know I made a note to actually like <laughs> to move you up in the in the rotation. Uh, just to be fair. Hey, look who else is here. It's Miss Liz Malone. Oh, wow. This is a I'm all weirded out. This is arranging. I'm throwing you guys all off. And hey, bringing up the rear. Mr. Anchor himself, Mr. Ryan Flurry. This will be my last show. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's it. I think that, that actually has been the first time he's ever taken the last place. And, uh, how does it feel, Flurry? <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. Ooh, Listen, I got promoted. Anchor, you did. About oh, time. That, that anchor spot. That's a, that's a... It's important. Yeah, it is important. It is. Uh, how is everybody today? Great. Oh, okay. One day you will learn. I know. I just edit that part right out. No. Yep. Hey, listen, I have a really quick question for you guys since uh, before we start the show. I, I need your help because this is where I glean all my hockey knowledge from. But okay, so here's the deal. I bought this really cool sweater hoodie thing. Then really the only thing that appealed to me that it was a sweater hoodie because I love hoodies and I love sweaters and I thought this is great. Uh, but it it has the Edmonton Oilers logo on it. So now what here's here's the deal. I was at work today and I ran into a coworker there uh, who I'm very sure knows nothing about hockey and she saw my shirt and went Edmonton Oilers and then just like moved on. So my question to you hockey people, is this thing going to get me beat up or something? Like is this <laughs> like what's is is there something I should know about the Edmonton Oilers that I should not be wearing this in public or what what's going on? You live in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> probably where we should start with this. Uh, I mean, it's not as bad as if it said, you know, like Toronto Maple Leafs or something. Right. Well, but, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. Cuz I know that's a thing, but like I you're but fine. I thought we don't have, yeah, because we don't have like a a uh, you know a real rivalry with uh, with Edmonton, do we? Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Oh, but, oh, but geez. Okay, well, this is important you know, information. Well, well, here's the thing: when it when it comes to standings right now, 
Edmonton has a chance of making the playoffs. Vancouver has zero. So, Ooh. you know, you can, if, if people ask, you can say, no, nah, I'm just going with the team that's winning. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. Well, no, this is good to know. I, I, this, that, maybe that was a, what that reaction was about. All right. Well, <laughs> it, it's probably jealousy, but that's, that's any team with Vancouver these days. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, in Vancouver, like pretty much you wear any other hockey jersey of any other team, you're going to get a look. So, riot. Yeah. yeah you the only one you're likely to get beat up with is Boston. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know, too. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I kind of am in dangerous territory because I live in the Carolinas, but New Jersey Devils, that's my team. Right. And uh, I will very openly root for my team under all circumstances. <laughs> You're gutsy. I, yeah, no, I love, you know, but I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a, I don't, I don't lean over to the person next to me and be like, in your face, you know, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm not picking fights, but yeah, I'm going to be enthusiastic about my team. But right now, I mean, right uh, between the, uh, the hurricanes and the, uh, the devils, we're one and two. Well, I'm two. They're one and two in the uh, in the Metropolitan Division. So, yeah, hmm. it's getting it's getting real. It's getting real right now in Carolina country. So I opened yeah. Pandora's box. Starting yeah, to talk about that's hockey. hockey and talk. That's, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I a about we need to start another podcast. Yes, We're going to spin off so. podcast. We'll just call it Ghost Sports. No, I'll just we'll call it accidental <laughs> hockey talk. Where I just I bring up a topic and then just Steve and Liz just go off on. <laughs> Uh, all right, enough of that. Hey, Ryan. Oh, you're coming to me first. Oh, okay. Hi, Ryan. Oh, wow. Okay, so now I've heard his feelings. I knew I knew that was a mistake. Steve just lived with it. He didn't care. Like, he did kind of care, but he didn't say anything. Oh, anyways. he'll be calling me tomorrow and talking about it. Oh, yeah. All right, well, good luck with that. Uh, hey, what, uh, what the heck are we doing today? Today, we are speaking with two people from an organization called Lotus Labs or a company called Lotus Labs about a product they are hopefully bringing to market shortly. They are Natalie Shearer who is the accessibility subject matter expert and Bavel Patel who is the founder of Lotus Labs and I hope I pronounced your name but welcome to the show. Thanks nice to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, it was our pleasure. Um, we've been really fascinated with um, with what you guys are up to there. I'm excited to talk about the product. Um, but maybe before we do get to that, maybe you can just each give us like a really, a, a, just a brief little intro about yourselves and then maybe like a real quick overview of Lotus Labs itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am happy to go first. I am... An accessibility advocate. I've actually been on this show before um, for my work as an accessibility consultant. And I'm continuing that work with Lotus. And I want to tell this story first. Oh, <laughs> Dava will tell it wrong. I'm going to vehemently protest against this version, but sure. You'll have your moment. Um, <laughs> so I was actually approached by Devil. Uh, I had posted something on LinkedIn related to disability awareness and inclusion. And he reached out asking if I would be interested in doing a user interview. Um, and we can talk about that a bit more, but it's been sort of part of this whole development process is to work directly with folks with disabilities in the development of the Lotus Ring 
And um, I was one of the people picked to do a user interview talking about my experiences as someone who is both legally blind and hard of hearing. Um, and through that process and, and getting to know Davil, I knew this was a mission that I, I really wanted to be part of. Um, yeah, so I'll hand it over to you, Davil. We can go into it a bit. So more. now I will share the truth, um, just for the record. <laughs> um, well, so we, we saw Natalie's post. I came across Natalie's posts and we, I just thought it was phenomenal. And so um, my version is I chased Natalie down and basically asked her to be a part of Lotus and our mission because, uh, yeah, we'd be stronger together. So that's my version. And I'm just going to say that's the truth. Uh, and we'll, <laughs> we'll stick with that. But anyway, my my name's Daval or Deval, either works. Um, my, my background's in hardware engineering. Uh, and so electrical primarily, but also some mechanical physics and applied math, basically nerd. And, and I previously managed uh, an organization at Apple, worked there for about eight and a half years. The last thing I did was manage, uh, manage an organization for iPhone watch and AirPods, um, and then founded Lotus because of sort of my own lived experiences. But yeah, that's the, that's the nutshell version about me. Now, so how how old is is Lotus? Um, we were founded in 2021, but the first nine months, I didn't build anything. Uh, I actually had the idea, but chose not to build anything because I wanted to make sure that you know this this thing that Apple trains you in deeply is: should your device deserve to exist? Like, why mm -hmm. why do you even? do it why do you wake up in the morning and work on this device because hardware takes time and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of planning and uh especially the smaller it is the harder it is and so you know the first nine months i just spent interviewing persons with different kinds of disabilities and a lot of this will start to make sense at some point when i share my own story but the intent was to conduct essentially single blind interviews where i wouldn't tell anybody about the idea we had we would just interview people with different kinds of disabilities intermittent disabilities, no disabilities, um, caregivers of persons with disabilities, you know, kind of everyone to get a diverse set of lived experiences. And from each person's perspective, understand, you know, what are your pain points? And really, each of the interviews would kind of focus on just three aspects. What are your top three problems, personally? Could be anything. What are your solutions to those top three problems? And why are those solutions inadequate, which is why they're still your top three problems, right? If they were perfect solutions, then they wouldn't be a problem anymore. And so for the first nine months, that's that's all we did. And so anyway, only after that is when we started reaching out. That's when we, we you know, got connected with Natalie and other team members. And so, yeah, we've been building hardware for maybe around nine months now. So yeah, in existence since 2021, but I would say practically Lotus is maybe about nine year, nine months old. And so what started the whole ball rolling? Yeah, good question. Um, so I have intermittent short-term disability myself. I was, I was born with bowed legs, so my knees bent inwards. Ironically, my brother was actually born with his knees bent outwards. I don't know what that's about. Um, but over the years, I have, you know, I'm often on crutches for short periods of time, couple, every couple of years or every year. And just this past year, I tore my ACL. So um, I'm often on crutches, long story short. And a couple of years ago, I had, at the end of a long day, I had just gotten into bed only to realize I had forgotten to turn off some hallway light. 
but I was too exhausted to climb out of bed, hop onto my crutches, hobble 10 feet, turn off the light, hobble back 10 feet, and get back into bed. So I slept with the lights on the entire night and woke up in the morning thinking, well, if someone like me, an engineer in big tech with expertise in wall electronics, I've also worked at a wall electronics company, if I'm not even using smart home tech, who is? And so we went that started going down this road and lo and behold, we're here. Maybe we can start with kind of describing what you guys are sort of working on hardware-wise and how that ties in to the concept of the smart home. Um, so in a nutshell, for persons with limited mobility, um, so veterans, seniors, and persons with disability, we've created a wearable ring that controls objects at home by pointing. And unlike typical home tech, like Alexa, there's no apps, no rewiring, and no internet. Essentially, we let you go from home to smart home in seconds. That's the, that's the core underlying benefit. Now, the way this works is very simple three-step process. So step one, you put the ring on. It has a little button on one side, which you can click with your thumb. And there's a little black stripe that goes across the ring, which I'll explain what that does in a second. Step number two, for any existing wall switch, you can attach a module magnetically. So there's no rewiring. And step three, all you do is point and shoot. And the reason this is helpful is putting on the ring once eliminates the need to put smart speakers in every room of your house, which is what you have to do today if you want you know, an accessible home. Um, and that's assuming you're okay putting smart speakers in private areas of your house, like bedrooms and bathrooms, which not necessarily everyone is. Step two, like I mentioned, you can attach our module magnetically, which means there's no rewiring, which is also what you have to do if you want to do something like Alexa or Siri HomePods. If you want those devices to control your lights, you have to take out the old wall switch and rewire in a new wall switch that connects to the internet to be able to talk to Alexa or Siri or so on. And then you have to repeat that process everywhere that you want smart home tech, right? So if you want that in the kitchen, you have to rewire your kitchen lights. If you want to get smart lights in your living area or your dining room, you have to rewire your dining room lights and so on and so forth, which depending on the size of your home can be up to $2,000 and 11 hours of rewiring. It's a lot of time and effort. And step three, just like your TV remote, we use infrared. So just like your TV remote, all you do is point towards the object and click. That eliminates the need for internet, apps, or smartphones. Essentially, like I mentioned, you get the ability to go from home to smart home in seconds. But as we've learned more recently, there are two other important benefits. The second is you can take this with you wherever you go, right? Because there's no rewiring, takes seconds. And so if you're going to, you know, if you're going somewhere on vacation, uh, if you're going to a hotel, you don't have to pay what's often called as the disability tax, right? You don't have to pay for this extra special accessible room. You can make any space accessible wherever you go. And it also turns out it's helpful for anyone living in rental apartments today who can't upgrade to smart homes because of all the rewiring that's necessary. And then the third and probably the most important benefit in my book is network effects. So even if you've done everything I just described, so if you put smart speakers everywhere in your home and you've rewired all your existing switches, 
your, let's say your granddad comes to visit you, he can't use any of it, right? I mean, for starters, he doesn't have access to your smartphone. And he also doesn't know what different things are named, right? Is this kitchen light? Is this left light? Is this light number one? Versus with Lotus, it's literally no different than him coming to your home and turning on your television and vice versa. So him having it benefits you and you having it benefits him, hence the network effects. And because of this, because there's, we can control any existing wall switch, we can, use, we can control things that an existing wall switch controls. So lights, fans, appliances. But the neat part is because we use infrared, we can also control televisions, no extra components needed. And in the future, we're working on drapes followed by doors. So that's, that's the idea. Our vision is in a couple of years, any person, elderly, disabled, not disabled, can stay healthy in their own home because there will be a universe of ring controllable objects making them more independent and alleviating the caregivers. Oh my God, Rob is never going to get up out of his chair ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little frightened for you, Rob. This is this is true. It's true. I'm gonna look like the the, the humans in Wally. Um <laughs> No, but that's that's fascinating because you know we've been talking about the the concept of smart homes for years, um, and and sort of the impact that 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 can have, um, accessibility wise. But I I feel like for for most people, it's just not something that's gotten a lot of traction. It sounds like what this solves is this solves the problem of, for one, smart homes can be in, or can, you know historically, very expensive to get set up. Right. And you're all over the map. You have different manufacturers making different things. Um, and everything had to run through a, a, an app or, or a smartphone. And for some of that, that could be a real barrier for people. Is that sort of the, the mandate behind this is to try to overcome that and, and make it a lot more ubiquitous? Yeah, exactly. In fact, um, smart Speakers have been around for over a decade, depending on which specific company you talk about. It's somewhere between eight and 12 years, but the market penetration is only 18%. And by the way, that's here in North America. If you talk about Asia, it's 2%. And in India, it's 1%. Um, this was a report that actually Google commissioned with, uh, with Accenture. Wow. Um, and so it's, it's really, really low. And the big reason for that is, you know, there's all these barriers to entry, right? For starters, you have to rewire all your wall switches. That's a huge barrier. I mean, you know, I'm an electrical engineer and I, you know, it's it's still time consuming. And even then it's it's such a high barrier. I mean, let's 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 say someone gifts you an Alexa Echo speaker, right? For Christmas, you don't even have to pay for it. What's the first step? What's the first thing you have to do? Well, if you wanted to control your lights, you, you got to take out your old light switch and put in a new one. Well, let's talk about that process, right? Well, do you know what the wattage of your bulbs are? Do you know what size they are? Do you know what neutral, you know, if you have a neutral wire in your wall or not? This is before you even purchase the device, right? You need to know and figure out all these things. Then you purchase the device, it shows up, and you have to rewire one switch. And all of this was for one switch. And you have to repeat that process. So, you know, the barrier to entry is just really, really high. And this goes just, this just goes back to the social model of disability versus the medical model, right? Just the spaces built around us are just not the most accessible spaces, especially if you're, if you're not living there permanently, then it's even worse. And so, yeah, that was very much the idea. In fact, 
this was a little shocking to me if I'm being, you know, if I'm being completely vulnerable and honest. When I first had this pain point and I woke up in the morning having not slept really well, I assumed it was just a me problem. It was typical imposter syndrome. I didn't think anybody else had this. I figured it was just a me problem and I should suck it up. Um, and then I started digging into it little by little. And it turns out 91% of homes, 91% of homes in the US were built before smart homes even existed. So, I mean, you couldn't, and there's no easy way to operate them, right? And so, yeah, right. absolutely. The intent is we're all living in these homes that were built quite a long time ago with no easy way to upgrade them and make them accessible. And so that's part of the reason why, you know, smart homes have been more in the toy phase than, than ubiquitous. And that's very much the problem we're trying to solve, which is why it helps everybody, not just people with disability. And, and that's our design thesis. And we could talk more about that too. Yeah, I, I want to add, so part of the work I do at Lotus is outreach to other disability advocates, um, organizations, leaders, influencers, um, to work with them on ways that we can partner, uh, whether through user interviews or um, partnerships moving forward. And one of the questions I always ask them is if they have a smart home and a hundred percent of the time I met with this like exasperated sigh, like, yes, I do. And I hate it. Um, and it, it just made me realize smart homes really aren't that smart. Uh, one of the women I spoke with, she, um, had an accident when she was young. So she has a spinal cord injury and her parents' home was completely retrofitted with smart homes. Um, and she was sort of just explaining to me, like the process involved with activating all the different speakers, the fact that some of them don't work properly. And it seems like a lot of us change the way we live our daily lives to adapt to our smart home technology rather than the other way around. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot um, with Lotus. And I feel like it really does solve that problem because with wearing the ring, you sort of become the center of your own universe and you that have the control on you at all times. So yes, that's kind of been my takeaway. Smart homes, not so smart. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'll chime in. Smart homes definitely moves the ball forward, which is great because for a lot of people that made it that much more accessible than it was before smart homes even existed. Right. And so this is, I, I think my perspective was that moved the ball forward, but then there are so many other barriers now with the new tech. And so how can we make it really, really, truly, completely accessible? And, you know, to put this in perspective, by the way, the, the number I was quoting earlier, that's from a, a couple of years ago, I think it was 2018 or 2019, um, which was 18% market penetration. To put that in perspective, when smartphones came out, um, in eight years, it went from 7% to 79% or 8% to 79% versus even after a decade or 12 years, we're at somewhere between 18 to 20%, right? It's really low, and it's because of all these barriers to entry. They're put another way. They're not necessarily completely accessible to everyone all the time. So I'm going to jump in and ask the question that I know our audience is probably going to want to ask, because I know I'm asking it. Infrared is going to, I don't think, be specific enough in pointing at an object you want to turn on or off. I've got a couple of wall plates in my house that have three switches on them. How will it know I want that light on and not the fan or the fan on and not the light? 
without an app to tell it? Or how, is there a way to program these things? How is, how is this actually going to work? It's a good question. So I would say high-level infrared is actually architecturally the only type of electromagnetic wave that is actually unidirectional and not omnidirectional. So yes, if you're pointing, you know, if you're pointing in front of you and you don't want the thing behind you to activate, infrared is very much the way to go versus let's say you're a car fob, you know, right. it doesn't matter which way you point, it's going to trigger everywhere. Now the point you bring up, which is if you're pointing in one direction and instead of one switch, there are three switches. Yeah, that's a little more complicated. We don't have to, we, we could get into the technicalities of it. There are many ways to skin that cat. Um, I, I would say we are intentionally, and this is specifically because we're an early stage hardware startup. We're intentionally saying we don't want to solve that problem now. Right. Okay. And I want to actually, and part of the reason for that is it's a lot more complex. There are ways to solve it. You can do it through different gestures. You can do it through, you know, even without apps, you can actually just do it still with no internet and just, just the same interface. My expertise for the record is actually human interface. That's actually my specialty. That's what I did at Apple. I ran user studies. I worked on sensing haptics and, and power. And so that that's actually my forte. And there, there, we can go into a lot of detail on specifically how to how to solve that problem. You can, you know, just a simple example, you can do double click or triple click. You can change gestures to toggle between them. There's many ways to do that. Okay. The, the, the trick there ends up being what's least physical and least cognitive effort. Right. And that's where we started from this. We over through lots of interviews, we actually wanted to find the least cognitive effort and the least physical effort of controlling your space around you so that you have full control. And it turns out the best way to do that is A, you are the transmitter. So you carry technology with you wherever you go. And B, to do it single-handedly. And that was one of the big requests that we repeatedly got. And so we, we can talk more about inclusive and uh, universal design. The universal design aspect is that we use infrared. The inclusive design is there are different modes of operation that we intend to put in the ring. Right. No matter your disability or no disability, you have different ways of controlling your space. Sure. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Davil, I'm just curious, what is the thinking in terms of for, let's say for the blind community, and you maybe don't necessarily know what you're pointing at? Um, sometimes, you know, do you, uh, I'm just kind of, so I kind of see it on, on, from, from, from two angles, one, like, Hey, that would be really cool to have something that maybe could uh, help orient somebody yeah. in their space, because sometimes, you know, that is a, a, a tricky thing and not having to turn on a million lights and, you know, to, to, to find your, your center. Um, and yeah, blind people actually can get disoriented in their own homes, just right. FYI. <laughs> and then how that interface could work for somebody who doesn't necessarily know where the switches are because of the lack of orientation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great question. Um, and so I will start off by caveating saying initially our focus is to help people with limited mobility. Ultimately, yes, we want to help everybody. Um, and I will still answer the question, but our initial focus is to not try and be everything for everyone, but mm -hmm. focus on helping. And part of the reason for that is one of the largest groups of disability is limited mobility. And so it, at least here in the U.S., it's 52% of all disability is actually mobility disability. And so we wanted to start there because that's from our from all the interviews that I was just talking about over the nine months, that kept coming up repeatedly. And part of the reason for that was it doesn't even have to be permanent. It's, it's very easy to get temporarily have mobility disability, right? Everything from pregnancy 
to having twisted your ankle to someone like me, who just last year I tore my ACL. That was a year long process and was still going through physical therapy. So it doesn't, ambulation or mobility is kind of the one disability where there's no redundancy, right? Um, and so th that's why it's our initial focus. Now, having said that, one of the one of the things we're planning on doing, we haven't done this yet, and this is further down the pipeline, but one of the things we want to do is actually incorporate haptic feedback into the ring. And th there's there's a fair bit of precedence for this. The benefit, the key benefit that we're trying to actually provide is exactly the point you made. And this actually came out through one of the interviews. We were talking to a gentleman, um, an older gentleman based in um, in Georgia, and he was actually telling us you know, one of his problems was getting disoriented in his house. And for that reason specifically, one of the things we want to be able to do is with the ring, when you're pointed in the right direction of, you know, a, let's say a switch, you will get haptic feedback. And then as you get closer and closer to that switch, you get a higher frequency or higher rate of haptic feedback. And so that way you get orientation and distance to help you navigate through your home and as he was explaining to us, the way he does it today is just step counting, uh, which because in the home, he doesn't really use his his uh, his cane. And so oftentimes what, what happens is there will be two doors. And unfortunately, in his situation, um, there were two doors, one going upstairs, one going downstairs. They're just you know two feet apart or whatever that distance is. And he ended up opening one thinking he was going upstairs and in his words, felt like he was stepping into space and nothingness and unfortunately tumbled down. And so that's the, and, and was there for quite some time, was disoriented, um, did have a few cuts, thankfully nothing more serious than that, but had a little bit of a bleed, um, ended up having to call his wife who was at work and then sort of gradually came back to. Um, and so one of the problems we're trying to solve is that one. And the way we're trying to solve that is through haptic feedback. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it's 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 just a, such a tricky, way to figure out there. I mean, I don't think there is any perfect solution. So I think that we're always very hungry for things that just make it a little bit easier because I don't, I think, you know, sometimes in the, in any community, not just the disability community, you, you just want everything to just, you, you know, you want your oven to clean itself. You want your oven to air fry now and do this <laughs> and do that. And you don't, you know, so I, I think that for me, you know, I like that that idea of having something that is just going to make your life easier, but has that extra element of you know creating that orientation. So, um, I mean, it's really it's it's very fascinating and very exciting to see what 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 could come of this for sure. And and you know, just to add to that, and this is my imposter syndrome coming out. The way I think about these things is they're a good stepping stone, but then you want to iterate. And so, for instance. You know, one of the things we're doing now, we've already run these pilots twice. You know, if there are other people who, who listen to this and are interested in this technology, please definitely do reach out to us. Um, we'll share our contact details later, but the website is lotuslabs.org. Um, you know, even, even with the orientation and navigation idea um, that we want to incorporate at some time, you know, it's gonna be an iterative process. We'll, we'll build it, we'll share with, with people, we want to hear feedback, like what is working, what is not working. Maybe, maybe it sounds good on paper, but it doesn't, you know, work in real life. It, it's not meant to be this, you know, we're going to design in a silo in our room, and we're going to get four people because we think we know it best, and then sort of, you know, just deliver this to the world. The whole idea, and part of the reason we're, you know, we want to be here, we want to be talking to more people, is we want to continually be getting, and this is one of our actually our 
our core values and core principles is it needs to be human-centered design. It has to be. I mean, otherwise, technology should feel like a part of you. One of our core design principles is technology should come up when you need it and disappear when you don't. And the reason for that is it should be more human. And so the only way to do that is to incorporate as many lived experiences into every design iteration as possible and make that as diverse as possible, right? So it's not just one group of people that you ask. Um, and so very much, you know, this idea is what we've, you know, it is in our patent and we've patented it. But, you know, once we actually build the first prototype and we give it out, we'll get more feedback and then we'll iterate. And maybe, maybe some aspects of the idea that I describe it will change and that's okay. And I, if anything, I, I would love for that to be the case. Liz, I love that you you brought up, you know, how is this helpful for folks who are blind and might need that haptic feedback? Um, so to give some background on myself with my vision loss, I have something called retinitis pigmentosa. Yay, so, high five! Yeah. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> um, so I have a very narrow field of vision and I've heard retinitis pigmentosa or RP um, described in the best way it's it's spotting a marble on the other side of the room and on the floor and tripping over your couch on the way to grab it um and so for me i'm able to see uh switches on the other side of the room but if it's dark especially there's a good chance i'm going to trip over something on my way to go turn that switch on or off and and through the interview process i didn't realize how many of these barriers I have inside my own home. I remember at the beginning of the, the interview, I was kind of like, well, as soon as I leave my door, yeah, I, I do. There are a lot of barriers, attitudinal, physical, I face them all, but in my home, I'm pretty safe. And then through the conversation, I was like, oh yeah, like I, I probably fall like once or twice a day, probably, you know, bump into different furniture. So, um, you know, the idea of being able to turn a light on from the other side of the room, I realized would have a huge benefit for me. Um, but I also thought of other people in my life. I thought of my mom. Um, she had ALS when I was younger, uh, which is also called Lou Gehrig's disease and is a progressive um, uh, neurological condition. And for her, I know losing her mobility within the home um, was really difficult and having something that would allow her to maintain that independence for longer uh, really would have benefited her. Um, and I also thought of, you know, my friends right now who are home with young babies and getting sort of, you know, nap trapped under their babies and not able to, to control things around their home because they're sort of, you know, stuck on the couch. And it just was this like universal realization that so many people would benefit from this technology. And the fact that everybody would benefit it from it would mean, you know, the folks that would benefit most from it would be more likely to use it because it wasn't this sort of like medicalized stigmatizing thing. Um, I, I know I still sometimes, you know, have trouble using my white cane outside of the home because it really just sort of, you know, puts this spotlight on me as, oh, she's somebody with a disability. And I know if something's, you know, marketed as specifically for people with disabilities, there's less likely to be uptake because it can be somewhat stigmatizing. So I love this idea that it's something that benefits everyone, um, but is specifically optimized for folks with disabilities and as, as Davo mentioned, uh, mobility disabilities first. 
Uh, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't kidding. Rob's going to be your first customer. He wants, <laughs> oh, no. He's ready I, to do the prototype and everything. Listen, I'm, I, I was just about to jump in. Um, <laughs> that it, it's it's so true. And you know, if we look at all of the you know the the assistive technology devices that have made the most progress, it's always one of these things that also leaks into the mainstream. And I love this idea that you that you 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 put forward on the website, you know, this idea that technology that is optimized for disability is usable for everyone. And uh, yeah, I'll be first in line to get this thing when it's ready. Like, I, I love this idea. And I think that that's really what we need for to really move this idea of the smart home forward. You know, like I'm a nerd. I, I went out and I bought um, smart light bulbs um, for my lamps in my living room so that I could tie them into my Google home and getting that set up was a huge pain in the butt. I had to download like an external app and I had to like, you know, like turn the lights on and off like three times really fast to like make it hook to the app, to make it hook to the wireless. It was a whole thing. Finally got it on and it works. Okay. But like, honestly, 75% of the time, if I tell my Google to turn off the lights, it dims them. Or if I tell them to dim them, it turns it off. Or sometimes, listen, I've come home and they're just, they're on. I don't even know why. Like, so um, it's, it's these, all of these external apps that all feed into different devices in the home. It really doesn't feel like a smart home. It feels like sort of, you know, a, a summer school. It's a cluster kind of, of apps. Kind of, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, throughout the nine months of interview, I don't think I met a single person who said, oh my God, I have too few apps on my phone. Uh, you know, just, just yeah. it just doesn't exist. And, you know, the other thing about the apps, in, and I will share this a little bit about sort of my own, you know, like my, I'm, I'm an immigrant. And so we we sort of, my grandmother lived with us as we were growing up. And of course, now I'm here, but my parents live far away. They're getting older. I think about them a lot. And there was just no way I could give my grandmother an app and ask her to use it, even if I knew that was going to benefit her, right? I mean, A, finding your phone, B, unlocking it, going into the app, and clicking on the specific device that you're trying to control. I mean, that's like, it's a five-step process, um, four or five-step process, if fifth one, if you have to unlock it or sign in. And so it's just not user-friendly for what you would typically do in seconds. And, you know, you like Natalie was saying, you sort of, you acclimatize to it because that becomes your de facto and there's no other way of doing it. But there, you know, if there is an easier way, that is definitely the way to go. And, you know, the reason I say this is, yeah, my grandma or there's plenty of folks who sort of are not tech savvy and they shouldn't need to be. I feel like the, the, the conversation Natalie and I were just having before this is the real product is not the ring. The product is dignity that you get from the independence that the ring is giving you. And I would say the product of Lotus as a company, it's not even the product. I, I think the product should be the mindset. All technology should be built this way, not just us. I mean, I would consider Lotus a success, truly, if other companies followed suit, if all hardware, especially hardware technology, because you can't change it at the last minute, it has to be from the inception of the hardware, it has to sort of be built into the DNA of the product, where all hardware should be 
usable by everyone by optimizing for disability first? I mean, why not? What do you lose? Yeah, no, it that that totally. And I mean, I also feel like there are a lot of different manufacturers these days that are jumping on this whole smart home idea. Um, you know, you can buy light bulbs, you can buy, um, you know, uh, outlet plugs, you can, you know, m most new stoves, fridges, appliances, they all have this ability. And they're, they certainly, most of them don't develop from the lens of how, we, how can we make this actually accessible for everybody. But given that, is that somewhat of a barrier for you guys? Because there are so many different manufacturers, because there are so many different devices, is that sort of um, a barrier for you guys in, when you're developing it? Actually, it turns out it's, it's not really. Um, because again, one of the things we're trying to do is make your built environment or built space around you more accessible. And so it turns out, especially in the US, and, and I, I, I find this aspect interesting anyway, because my dad was an architect. So growing up, this was just sort of infused. Um, and I also ended up working for a sort of a switch manufacturer. It turns out in the US, the most common switches are really just two types. There's the type that you push. So it's called a rocker, goes in and out. Um, and then there's the type that you flip up or down. It's called a toggle. Those are the two most common types. If your home was built before the 1970s, then chances are it's a toggle. If your home was built after, then chances are it's a rocker. So that's the new home, which I'm still saying new, but anytime after 1970s, that a rocker. And so that, that's the bulk of switches in the United States. And so that would help control lights, fans, and appliances. Um, and then following that, the benefit, and this is funny, we, we joke about it internally in, in engineering all the time. In many ways, we're building, we're bringing back old tech in a new way, right? Infrared's been around for 30 something years. But the benefit of that is it's inexpensive, it's small, it's been miniaturized, and it's everywhere. In fact, all TV is open source standard now, all infrared. And so that's part of the reason why you can just walk into a Best Buy and get a universal remote if you break yours. And so that's the benefit, which is that it's it's everywhere. And so you can actually tap into that system. And so it was interesting. It was interesting to us where early on where we were deciding kind of architecturally if this made sense, there was a lot, you know, we joked about it saying, oh, wow, you know, everyone's chasing internet. Are we, are we, you know, are we not seeing something obvious? Is this a huge mistake? And it, it turned out, you know, as much as everyone's chasing internet, internet has some big challenges, which is because you have to be connected to the internet all the time, you're taking power all the time, which is why you need the wiring to get power all the time, to be stay, to stay connected all the time. And funnily enough, using infrared, I mean, do you even remember when the last time was that you changed batteries on your TV remote? Yeah, that's a good point. And that's exactly why, right? Because it only takes power for that 50 milliseconds or 100 milliseconds that you press the button. The rest of the time, it's not doing anything. So it's great. It's actually, it, there's all these benefits that we have forgotten about that we're bringing back. And, and this is not to say that this solves every problem under the sun. It's just that the pros certainly seem to outweigh the cons when we're trying to make your built environment accessible. And so that's why we chose that. I have to ask the question. I know this is going to be a hard question to answer. And you get, you know, again, you've only been developing actually developing it for about nine months but if you had to guess when do you think something's going to be ready for market it's a good question um so i would say 
to do it right, in, in anyone in hardware will recognize this, a typical hardware cycle from proof of concept to in production usually takes about 12 months, plus minus three. So if you're if you're doing it really fast or if it's really simple, then it can take nine. If it's more complex, then it can take 15 months. Um, you know, we've, we've been in the proof of concept phase just to make sure that this really deserves to exist. We've been giving it, you know, we've run two pilots now, um, net promoter score, you know, how many people liked it both times was 100, meaning well, everyone rated it a nine or a 10, um, which is really, really, really high. Usually it's significantly lower. And so we're headed in the right track. The next big milestone for us, so the short answer is, it's probably gonna be out and about in scale sometime next year, early next year is what I'd like to say. Um, but the next big milestone that we're focused on is in about two months, two to three months, where we'll have somewhere between 30 and 50 of these devices available, working and ready for pilots. So if anyone's interested, if you'd like to provide feedback, if you think it'll help you, I would I would invite people to reach out to us. Uh, Rob, you can be first in that line. Wait uh, a minute, wait a minute. Did you forget about Lissa's <laughs> very famous gift basking abilities? Well, Rob's been, been very vocal in wanting to be first in line, and I didn't want to make any assumptions. But, That's right, Liz. <laughs> That's okay. Give the able-bodied guy the ring. <laughs> I'll let him have it. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry, Rob. She, she, uh, she it's true. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> I think you just got bumped for the price of two Oreos. It was, yeah, it, it, see, it's always the gift basket. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, if you guys build a robot that uh, delivers piping worm Chef Boyardee, Rob will never leave his chair. <laughs> so true. <laughs> well, you can operate your 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 microwave and just you know wave a ring, right? Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, the the ultimate vision is yeah, you you should be sort of we'll we'll get there when we get there, but ultimately the vision is yeah, you should sort of, uh, in fact, a couple of people have used different analogies to us as part of our user, you know, user discovery interviews or, um, and there's everything from the force, if you belong to, <laughs> to you know, um, Professor X in oh, X-Men to Minority Report. And so there's kind of, you know, pick your, pick your fantasy world. That and, is so uh, true. That's where we would like to be. Wow. But on a, on a more practical uh, question, um, I, I have a smart oh, wait, hang on. I'm sorry, I don't buy into that premise. Star Wars isn't practical. I'm not buying into <laughs> Yes, Steve. <laughs> I, I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. So, so I have a smartwatch, and and that that smartwatch doesn't survive for more than about eight hours at a time. Yeah. Um, what what sort of battery expectation would you have for a ring? It's a great question. Um, I'm going to first ask, if you had to guess, what would your guess be as to the battery life? Well, I would I would think that if you were targeting something, I would I would think you'd want at least 24 hours. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to go. Can I guess? Yeah, yeah, please. OK, oh, I, I'm going to go. Cookie person should go first. <laughs> OK. <laughs> See, oh my gosh, I will totally buy, <laughs> buy uh, you know, a higher level of, you know, see, I, did you notice I wasn't last introduced? It was all the cookies, see? Yeah, this is what I get for bringing those swag. 
(laughs) (laughs) But what you were saying about how the remote on your TV lasts forever because it's just using it just sporadically for like power on, power off, maybe a channel change here and there. So I'm going to guess it's probably going to be a, you've developed something that with the, or at least the concept is going to be a much longer battery life. I think the hap the haptics might take a little bit more because that's going to take a little more a little more juice. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say like it's it's probably maybe like closer to like maybe once a week, maybe even longer. Oh, okay. Well, we have okay. Uh, that's I'm, my guess. No, this is this is pretty good. You know, of course, no matter what, you're going to be right, Liz, because I want those cookies. So, <laughs> no matter what, you're right. But having said that, uh, Ryan and Steve, do you have any guesses? Uh, Ryan. Well, kind of like Steve, my Apple Watch needs a better battery, but let's say I'm going to go with 90 days. All right. And wow. Steve. Wow. You're going long. Are we doing like the price is right? Yeah, we kind of are. Like, whoever gets closest, closest without, going, without over. going over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, just to be clear, if Ryan's right, he's not getting the cookies. <laughs> he already, I already got some. He got the cookies. Yeah. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I would go with, uh, well, let's see 90 days. So I'll go with a month. I'll, I'll say 30 days. 30 days. Okay. Yeah. So obviously this is still work in progress and it's ongoing. So don't hold me to this, but as of now, uh, we are at somewhere between 125 days Wow. And 75 days. So, you know, on average, somewhere around the wow. 90 to 100 mark. So, oh, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Um, and again, a lot of it depends on what we choose to put on there or not on there and sure. you know, when we choose to take power. And so, you know, it's still a work in progress. And so I can't promise, but yeah, that's that's very much it. And these numbers are as of three days ago. Wait, would it be waterproof? Yes. That was okay. one of the very first. Um, there were a couple of really interesting things that came up from user interviews. Um, and, and th- which is why they were they were really really helpful. I mean, the first thing was, and it's funny um, you, you mentioned the watch. Um, one of the first things we were told was, "Hey, can you make it a watch?" And, <laughs> sure, we, we could. You know, we can make it this in whatever form factor you want. Why? Why do you want the watch? And then people told us, you know, oh yeah, I, I love wearing watches. And then, you know, we asked them like, okay, do you own one? They said yes. Do you wear it? No. Where is it right now? It's in a drawer. Why is it in a drawer? Well, you know, it's heavy or like, you know, I don't go to bed with it because it's just out of habit or, um, you know, it gets stuck in my spouse's hair or what have, you know, or I have to charge it every day. And so after a while, I'm just tired of that. Um, or the other problem that is often associated with a watch, and this is a little more user design, so I'll go a little deeper. With anything that is on the wrist, especially if it has a, it's on the wrist and a screen, there are two challenges. Number one, you have to use two hands, right? You have to be able to turn your wrist and use it with the other hand, the finger of the other hand. And, not or, and you have to be able to look at the screen often. It depends on the UI and UX, and there's some things you can do just with the button, especially if this is an Apple Watch. But oftentimes, you have to look at the UI and use two hands. And of course, there's plenty of life situations where you can't do both. If you're, if you're able to look at the device, but your hands are not free, then you can't use it. If you can't look at the device, but your hands are free. And so you both conditions need to be true for you to be able to use it versus with a ring. The whole idea is you should be able to use the, this device without looking at the device. And, and think of intuitively, you know, when you go to grab an object 
or when you go to touch an object, you know, do you look at your own hand or do you look at, you know, the object? And of course, in this situation, if you're, if you can't see then of course it's a moot question, but the whole idea is intuitively you, you sort of focus on the object you're trying to hold or manipulate and not yourself. And so that was very much kind of the thing that we wanted to eliminate. The other big benefit is we wanted to be able to enable, of course, one-handed gesture, but the other obvious benefit then is if you already own a watch, then you're not, you're not gonna wear two watches and we don't want to force you to wear you know, one or the other. So the benefit of having it as a ring is that you can have watch and have a ring. You don't have to choose between them. And so anyway, I digress, but that was, that was one of the surprising things along with the fact that everyone requested it to be waterproof because they wanted to keep it on all the time. In fact, we, we actually had some folks that we interviewed who mentioned that they haven't taken the rings off in 12 or 15 years. Um, and so that was part of the reason, which is the whole idea is that this should be with you wherever you go. Now, I know that you, it's very difficult to make this usable for every disability, at the, especially on the onset, but has anybody raised the question about if you are incapable of wearing a ring because of uh, you know various disabilities and abnormalities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have gotten that question. I don't want to claim that we have an answer yet. The good news is that you know there's nothing specific that it has to be in the shape of a ring. Um, it could be it could be in you know in the form of a, a you know a wrist device. It could be um, you know something you wear around your neck. The there's nothing specific to the technology that makes it forcefully be on the finger. It just that's the form factor we chose based on all the interviews we did because people didn't want to take it off. They wanted it to be you know case in point. If you're trying to go to the bathroom at night and you have limited vision and limited mobility. Uh, which a lot of people we interviewed actually, they could tell the difference between light and dark and so and see shadows, but they, they weren't completely blind. Um, and so for them, oftentimes, you know, kind of like Natalie was saying, falling is a big problem, especially at night. And so they would only have two options. Either they would have to sleep with these lights on around the house, which of course, if they lived with other members in the, in the house, that was a little problematic. Um, or they would have to try and find the light switch in the dark to get some light to be able to kind of maneuver. Um, and so the whole idea is to be able to find the light in the dark is the catch 22 that we want to help prevent. And so the, yeah, so part of that reason was if that's the case, you don't want to go looking for your device in the middle of the night, right? So the whole idea was what, what would be a device that you would go to sleep with and never feel like you have to take off? And after many, many interviews, it turned out even the folks who actually mentioned, oh, you know, I think wrist is more interesting, ultimately circled back around saying, no, 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 you know what? I changed my mind. I want the ring. And so, yes, absolutely, Liz, to your point, it could be other things too. We're just starting off with the ring because that seems mm -hmm. to help more people off the on the get-go. So it'd be the difference between using the force, which would be the ring, or uh, something along the wrist, you could be like Spider-Man. That's true. The, the possibilities are endless, is what True. I'm talking about. True. One ring to rule them all. Oh, oh I didn't even think of that. You're so oh, right, that Ryan. Because there's the Lord of the Rings universe, too. That's right. <laughs> and of course, then there's the Avengers universe, which is yeah. you know, 
So anyway. Are you guys still working actively with sort of the disability community? Are you still looking for people? Um, and if, if anybody out there is listening and they do sort of want to connect with you and, and get in on, on the process, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, yeah. So we are absolutely still working with folks with disabilities, and that's a big part of my job. I'm doing outreach right now, uh, but if anybody is interested in learning more um, and would like to partner with us in any way, please reach out to me directly. My email is natalie at lotuslabs.org. Uh, you can also find us on our website, uh, as Davo mentioned, www.lotuslabs.org. Um, and you can also follow us on social media where we are Lotus Laboratories and on Instagram, we are Inc. So I N C dot Lotus Labs. And, and yeah, I would, you know, I'm just going to add, oh, and by the way, that's Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, uh, as opposed to what I did the first time. I think I reached out to you, Natalie. Sorry. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and yeah, you know, feel free to reach out to me as well. Um, D as in David, H as in house, A as in alpha, V as in Victor, A as in alpha, L as in London, that's Deval or Daval at lotuslabs.org. Um, I will say this will always be the case. It's kind of one of our deep-seated principles uh, and cultural values, which is at every, it can't be this thing at the beginning and then you know, forget about it. We will always be talking to folks with different kinds of disabilities because that that is part of the DNA it's not just a one-time, um, and then and then you come back to it for the next product. We want to continually be in touch with kind of the community, hearing about, you know, we learn something new every day. There's just almost always something new that we learn all the time. And, and you know, I would rather that always be the, you know, then it's truly a living product. And then we're really doing something that moves the needle and helps the community. Otherwise, I'm not so sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Please if you find this interesting, if you just want to give a word of support, um, if you believe in the mission, if you like the values, um, we could, you know, we're in early stage. I don't want to claim that we're big, this big conglomerate, uh, certainly could use the help and, and any words of advice, you know, suggestion, encouragement, those are also most welcome, but certainly we're absolutely looking for, for people. I will say from my perspective, also one of the big things we're trying to do next is because we will have somewhere between 30 and 50 prototypes in about a month and a half. Uh, we would love, love to hear from you if you run an organization that could kind of run a pilot at a little larger scale. So when I say a little larger, I mean 30 to 50 units because we won't have anything bigger than that. An example of that would be Veterans Affairs. So uh, we, are, we have now been invited by Veterans Affairs to come to Los Angeles um, in March, so in, in about two weeks. Uh, for the exact same reason, we would love to kind of be doing pilots with with organizations um, just so we can get more feedback, um, at, you know, from more set of people quicker so we can develop this faster and get this out to people faster. Will you guys be at CSUN? Oh, good question. Actually, we're, we're debating that right now. There's, uh, there's the Ability Tools Expo as well as CSUN. It's around the same time. Um, and so we're debating if we can and should. We're, like I said, we're we're a small team and yep. we're going to be nimble and be as many places as we can. <laughs> um, it's it's a little late. I don't think we'll be able to present at CSUN, but at minimum, I think we're debating, you know, Natalie, actually, we're, we're considering maybe Andy could go if uh, both of us can't. And so we'll we'll figure something out. But are, are any of you going to be at CSUN? Yeah, I'm going to be will. there. Yeah. yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, we're getting that right now. You can pick up my ring. (laughs) (laughs) If any of you are showing up, I you know, I really hope one somebody has my cookies. (laughs) There's only one who's got the cookies, Donald. So I I can bring you ketchup chips. That's true. (laughs) Oh my god, that's disgusting. We had a whole conversation at Lotus about who puts ketchup on their pizza. Ew. Is that, I've, I've never even heard of that. Before. <laughs> I think all the goodwill that I have accumulated <laughs> will be lost with cookies if I answer that question. So I'm just oh going to say, gosh. I abstain from answering that question. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you will neither confirm nor deny. I will neither confirm nor deny. This is accurate. Uh, well, listen, guys, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, love it. Uh, I can't wait. And please, please, please come back on maybe when you guys are a little bit closer to, to launch. We'd love to have you on again and get an update. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure being here. And for what it's worth, thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, it's, this is an amazing platform that you provide for, for other impact missions as well. And so thank you. Thank you for having us uh, again. Uh, it's always great chatting with you folks. Yeah, it was great to, great to see you again, Natalie. Best of luck. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Looking forward to this. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of smart (laughs) people. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. When is CSUN, by the way? Uh, 13th through the 17th, I think. Or 18th, somewhere in there. Yeah. Oh, of March? Yeah. Of March? Yeah. And and where is it this year? So did uh, they move Anaheim. it? Anaheim. No, it's still in Anaheim. Anaheim. Isn't that where Disney? It land? is where Disneyland is. Yep. See, mm. Liz, you can go and you can check off two boxes. You can go to Disneyland and go to Sun. And I'll oh, get God. you drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. He will. And he'll videotape everything. Oh, oh I won't. <laughs> oh, come on. Just the good stuff. Just the, the good stuff. stuff. <laughs> I'm a big believer in no witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> Even if Man. I have to bury him myself. Yeah. <laughs> Man. No, this is this is such a cool, cool idea. Like this is this is exactly what was needed. I like that possibility of almost turning your your arm into like you you become like a human compass yeah like you could be like okay do, 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 like you know like just like a double was was describing with the haptics increasing and whatnot yeah like i i mean for me i i sure i'd like to operate things but i i like that orientation part of it um yeah something I think- that could be coming down the pike i mean i i think i see two huge benefits of you know, in a way that they're, they're doing things right. And that's, you know, engaging with the community is one, but also going from the concept of like keeping it very simple, because that is really the barrier for, for a lot of people for, for smart home technology is just that it's too complicated or it's just, it's too hard to install. You know, the fact that they're talking about, you know, just magnetic plates that would go over your light switches and completely convert them over to be able to use this technology I think that's key because I don't think 
making it more complicated for people to use is going to work because people aren't engaged with it now. That's why we've had smart home technology for years and years, and it still really isn't all that common. Unless you consider like, you know, smart speakers, sure, those are common, but, um, you know, having, you know, automatic lights or your appliances all tied in or TV, like none of that is, is common at all. Not all works great until your internet goes out or your power goes out. Or your router is not up to date and can yeah. handle yeah. that many uh, that many devices at once. I've I actually had right. that happen, and I was like, why isn't why can't I get log into the Wi-Fi? And sure, and they were like, oh yeah, you can only have X device. I was like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, it's a good point too. Yeah, for and sure. And then if you actually count how many devices you have on your Wi-Fi, oh, it's crazy. It's 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 frightening. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. And so, you know, you again, using that infrared technology is going to make it so that uh, it's not a thing. So I'm we'll excited. Have to wait and see. I am excited. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Very nice, big brained people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Making thank our, God making for life them. better. I know. I, I Ma- <laughs> making like I life better sh- for all us dummies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, hey, Liz. Uh, hey, Rob. Where can people find us? Uh, I've been told they can find us at atbancher.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbancher.com. How cool would it be if we could rig up some sort of a cowbell strike with just a emotion yeah we didn't wow just right it just ryan, ryan could just point and just clang rob is trying to make you obsolete ryan that's so uncool i don't know i'm not that. i'm trying to make his life easier that way he doesn't have to worry about picking up the drumstick and going and getting the cowbell ready he can just point. yeah but then i gotta know where i put the cowbell <laughs> exactly you know, all of a sudden we hear the tv come on which <laughs> Every single time that Ryan goes to strike that cowbell, I always point at my microphone. So it's just like I'm wearing one of those rings. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Hey, where, what else can people do? I'm pointing at Steve. You're pointing at me. (laughs) Well, I mean, gosh, they could, they could find us on social media if they wanted to, they could, they could look on places like Twitter. They could look at Facebook. They could look yep. at Instagram. They're not going to see anything on Instagram, but they could look there. Listen, there's a picture of Ryan eating pancakes. I keep telling him, trying to get people to go look at that picture. It's great. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, we should change it to Oreos. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think you should, you need to post a picture of you with your, your, your Oreos booty. Yeah, 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 I could, totally can do that. There you go. Uh, I've already worked. I'm halfway through the uh, my um, hazel. No, not the hazelnut one. The uh, car- coconut caramel, which I would highly recommend anybody out there who's <laughs> listening. Apparently, anybody who's outside of BC can get them. <laughs> which is, we need to do an episode of that. We need to write our MLAs or something because if it's just our province is getting screwed over on this Oreo thing, uh, that's a problem. You know what? Oh. I was in a, I was in a, a Asian supermarket the other day, and they had a bunch of Oreo flavors that I hadn't seen. What? Uh, with Asian packaging. Wow. Huh. So there Ooh. may actually be ones that 
maybe even list doesn't get interesting yeah no kidding get ready liz you're gonna get a kimchi oreo i would love a kimchi oreo (laughs) sweet and savory yeah totally (laughs) i'd try it why not oh my um yeah that's interesting well maybe yeah we'll have to dig into that i don't know why what's the deal with the oreo gap Mm. Mm. yeah hard-hitting questions here on atp Yeah. 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 yeah yeah We, we, we dig into the, the, the meat we, of issues such as this. <laughs> we, <laughs> we go from like high technology and infrared to yeah, back to Oreos. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Talk we take a story, Oreos. we split it in half and we lick out the stuff. In the- <laughs> <laughs> yes. So true. <laughs> All right. With that, I think that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to Natalie and Davil for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.